Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, your guide to the ever-changing world of social media. Welcome to the show. I'm Jeff C. And I'm Grace Duffy. And we are excited to be joined today by Mr. Gavin Bell. And we're going to explore Facebook pulling back its mandated use of campaign budget optimization for ads and the addition of new metrics to the ads library. And if you don't know who Gavin is, he is an award-winning expert, vlogger, and speaker on Facebook advertising. He's also the expert at creating start strategies for funnel building. And he's the founder of Funnel Academy and hosts the podcast, The Funnel Academy Show. Gavin, thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to talk to you today. I'm excited to be here. Thanks so much. Yeah. So, Grace, kick us off for this campaign budget optimization thing. What is this all about? Well, uh, the news is that it is no more. It is not the mandate anymore. I mean, it still exists. It's just not the mandatory anymore. So this week we learned that Facebook will no longer require advertisers to use campaign budget optimization in its campaigns and their campaigns. So despite uh, trying to make CBO the mandate across all ads, uh, Facebook spokesperson confirmed this week to search engine land uh, that Facebook will no longer, well, allow it as an option, but it's not the requirement. Advertisers have been pushing back against this, saying that they are getting either mixed results or more success managing campaigns at the ad level. So now advertisers will have a choice of either managing campaigns at the campaign level or at the ad set level. So I hear a lot of marketers are very excited about this. They're thrilled about this news. Were you happy about this update too, Gavin? Yeah, I can't, I can't say I'm very excited about it or thrilled, but definitely happy. Um, I think as an advertiser, I really I enjoy CBO. I think it's a great thing, but the making it mandatory felt a little bit backwards mm. to me. I know, you know, I, I know Facebook have the best interests at heart when, or, you know, the best interests at heart. <laughs> it's Facebook at the end of the day. Right. But they, they push CBO because they think it's meant to get the best results. But that's not always the case. And so I think it's it's a good move or it's a good thing that we, we have the choice as advertisers to do what we want to do. So let's take kind of a bird's eye view. So for people who may just be getting started and you know, there are a lot of, uh, we've heard a lot of times that ad inventory is cheaper now. And so a lot of people may be experimenting with some of this stuff now on Facebook ads. So what's the difference between managing budgets at the ad set level versus the campaign level? And why would you use one over the other? Yeah, so so historically, when you come to create a Facebook ad campaign, you you've always set the budget at the ad set level. So a Facebook ad campaign is broken into three different parts. You've got the campaign level, where you tell Facebook what you're looking to achieve, such as I want to get more traffic to my site or I want conversions. Then we've got the ad set level, which is where we tell Facebook how we want our ads to run. So we choose our targeting and uh, our placements. Do we want it on Facebook? Do we want it on Instagram? And historically, we've always chosen the budget at that point as well. Mm-hmm. And then the third part of a campaign is the ads. So that's the thing that people actually see. Now, if you're running an ad campaign back in the day where you didn't use campaign budget optimization, what you might do is if you're testing 
three different audiences at the ad set level. For example, you might say, I want $10 a day to that one, $10 a day to that one, and $10 a day to that one. And Facebook would go out and it would spend $10 a day mm. at each of those different ad sets. With campaign budget optimization, we no longer set the budget at the ad set level, we set it at the campaign level. So we might say, let's spend $30 a day on this campaign as a whole. But when Facebook starts spending the money, it might realize that you know ad set B, audience B is performing better than A and C. And so what it might do is it might spend $20 a day on one audience, $5 a day on the other, and $5 a day on the other. So essentially what happens is Facebook chooses how to spend the budget across the different ad sets. I found that campaign budget optimization typically performs better. But the reason that some advertisers are coming back and saying no is because in some cases you might be targeting a very small audience. And if that's the case, you don't want Facebook to spend all of your budget in that audience. So you want a little bit more control. So that's why I think why a lot of marketers and advertisers are, are happy at this news. Gotcha. So, so you think it's better than the other. And so is it because you can go in and fiddle with it? Is that why people like it more? <laughs> like have Because you said it was like, they're really kind of being like, we're going to use this and they kind of pulled back. I guess more control is always better, but would you suggest for like marketers getting started that they start with campaign budget optimization? Yeah. So, I mean, essentially what you say there is, is, is correct. So people want to fiddle. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like I say, you might have circumstances where you've got multiple uh, audiences in the one campaign. And if you choose campaign budget optimization, Facebook might just spend all your budget on one of the audiences, whereas you do want it to be more of a you know split equally across the different audiences that you have in there. So that's why people might want to set the budget at the ad set level. But yeah, when when we run any campaign for any client and create any sort of campaign, we always start with campaign budget optimization. Mm. And because you know, you're taking advantage of Facebook's years and years and years and enormous amounts of data and machine learning to essentially do the heavy lifting for you. Now, that's not to say that, you know, you've, once you've launched that campaign and you might see that the campaign budget optimization isn't working for you. So you might then want to turn it off and start to manually tweak the different ad sets. But I would always recommend starting with campaign budget optimization and the results. Well, well two reasons, really. One, it's, it's a little bit easier if you're just starting mm-hmm. off, because mm-hmm. you just set one budget and that's it. And Facebook kind of does that work for you. And second of all, looking at the results across you know, all the tests that I've done, campaign budget optimization typically does perform better than, than doing it manually. Are there any warning signs that we should look for like when it's not working? I mean, it's like, what should we look at for like, okay, it's performing well, I'm going to leave it alone. And then when we're like, okay, I need to go in and fiddle because something's broken. What do you recommend yeah. for that? Yeah, well, I mean, one of the kind of common mistakes that I might see is if somebody is running a a campaign and they're breaking up their audiences into cold audiences, such as people that don't know who they are. So maybe they're running lookalikes or targeting people based on interests. And they're also doing retargeting ads within the same campaign. Now, what's going to happen in this case is Facebook will just put all of your spend towards your retargeting ads Mm -hmm. because retargeting audiences because the results are better and Facebook are going, right, we're getting better results. And so we're going to spend our budget there. But the problem with that is that your retargeting audiences are only a a limited number of people. Mm. So if that was the case, what you could look at doing is turning campaign budget optimization off, going in there and, and manually reducing the budget for the retargeting ads, retargeting audiences and increase the budget for 
the audiences that are going out to people that don't know who you are. Now, I would actually, in that case, split the, the campaigns up. So I'd have a retargeting campaign and I'd have a cold campaign. But that's the type of idea. You know, Facebook, essentially, you might be looking to get an, a, a split across your different audiences. Maybe you're doing a test. Maybe you're not actually trying to optimize for the best result in this mm-hmm. case. And you're you're trying to do a test of maybe, you know, does a US audience or a UK audience or a New Zealand audience, which one performs best or which message to those audiences are, are we getting the best kind of engagement for? Awesome. In which case we might, we want to get an accurate representation from a reach perspective as opposed to convergence. Gotcha. So I think you, you broke it down for us pretty clearly because I know there's been a lot of confusion and I've even looking at the comments and people are saying, thank you so much for explaining that uh, really, really well. So Grace, let's run to the next, this Facebook adding these new metrics. So talk about these for a little bit. Well, I don't know how familiar you guys are with the uh, Facebook ads library, but they created uh, this section of the web page where you can go and you could see every ad that a company or brand page has run. So they're adding a new elements to the ad library listing in order to provide what it's saying is more transparency over these displayed ads and also make it easier to find relevant info uh, within this uh, product about the ads. So the listings will now include a new metric called potential reach measure. And so this is representing an estimate of the size of the audience that is eligible to see the ad. Up until now, marketers could at least guess or estimate this manually based on the ad spend and the audience targeting. And they're also adding some new uh, ways to search for ads within the ads library. So Gavin, do you find any value in knowing what the potential reach of an ad is? And how is this useful to advertisers such as yourself or your clients? Yeah, absolutely. So I absolutely love the ads library. You know, whenever we, two reasons again, because one, I'm a geek and I like to just see what people are doing, you know, what offers right. people are making or what type of ad creative people are, are creating. Um, but second of all, from a kind of more serious perspective is if we're building a campaign for ourselves or for a client or whoever it may be, you can go in there and you can see like, what offers are they making? What creatives are they using? What kind of text are they using? Are they offering 50% off? Oh, well, we were only thinking about offering 30% off. So we can see all these mm-hmm. things. And so being able to see the reach now is just added data on top of that, which is which is amazing. So we can get an understanding as well. You know, let's say we're a local business and we target people within a, a local radius of us. Then we can see the offer, we can see the creative, we can see the text that they're using, but we can now also try and get a bit of an understanding on what their targeting looks like based on the reach. So it just adds another layer of data on, you know, competitor research when we're coming to build campaigns. Gotcha. So I want to just clarify, number one, where can they find this at? And this is, and I just want to clarify too, that this is ads that have already run. They're not like waiting to run or anything like that. These are ones that already have been published, correct? Yes. These are ones that are live. Yeah. And you can, the easiest way to find it is you just Google ads library. Um, or if you go into any Facebook page, so your competitor's Facebook page, there's a little box that says page transparency. You can click on that and that'll take you directly to the ads that that page is running. Yeah. So I think it's, this is really cool. And I want to get into a little bit of the nitty gritty, how you can use this. So when you are creating new like Facebook ads for your clients and students, how do you use the ad library for that? You mentioned kind of a, a couple of things where you go in and see like discounts, which I hadn't thought about before, but that's a great idea. You know, what are you using? And then how can we use that to improve our own ads? Yeah. So, you know, if we're ever building a campaign, there's a few things that we want to do first and foremost. You know, one, obviously understand exactly who the customer avatar is so we can try and come up with a solution to the problem. But one of the main 
areas that we do as well is, is this competitor research. So we want to see, you know, if we're a local business, which other local businesses around us are running ads. Ads Library will tell us that. Mm. And if they are running ads, what offers are they running? What creative are they are they doing? And we can take what we're seeing in the ads library and combine that kind of with what they're doing on their Facebook page. And we, it can build a pretty good picture on, you know, is this competitor creating content? Are they publishing content? Yes or no. So that gives us an opportunity. Are they publishing ads? Yes or no. If they are, are they doing ads correctly? Because we can combine this sort of data on, you know, are they running ads? What type of ads are they running? We can then head to their website and we can use a tool called the Facebook Pixel Helper. Mm. And we can see, do they have the Facebook Pixel installed? Because if we find that, you know, a competitor is running Facebook ads, but they don't have the Facebook Pixel installed on their website, then it says to us, right, they're obviously not running ads very well. So this <laughs> is a really big opportunity. So it just, the ads library just basically allows us to see this picture of what our competitors are doing from an advertising perspective. Uh, and it also allows us to see what other people, maybe not even competitors, but what other types of people are doing, because it doesn't just show you the ad. We can also see where are they sending people to when they click on the ad? Mm. So what does their funnel look like? What does their landing page look like? Do they have testimonials? Do they have videos? We can just build a really good picture of what other people are doing. So where do you find that pixel finder? Like how would you, where would you look? Is it in the ads library or? No, so it's actually a Chrome extension. So if you just oh, Google okay. Facebook pixel helper, it's a little tool that goes in your Chrome browser and you can see that whether a website has the Facebook pixel installed or not. Gotcha. It's a good way to find clients too. Just like, I noticed you need help with your ads. Yeah, you're, uh, you're not running what you need to run. Yeah. <laughs> so Facebook also announced that it's now grouping similar ads together within the ads library, which will make it easier to find related ad content and adding more filters to better enable ad search. And the person who tweeted about this that first announced it was uh, Facebook's integrity team lead, Rob Latherin. And per his tweet, he highlights in particular the capacity to search by Instagram handle as a key addition on this front. So tell me, how would you searching by Instagram handle be helpful for you and what you're doing as far as developing ads? Yeah, so it's, good. it's basically just the way I see this is almost just an, another step for Facebook integrating Instagram into the Facebook sphere, because, you know, when we're in Facebook and we're creating custom audiences or so retargeting audiences, one of the options that we can do, for example, is we can go to videos and create uh, retargeting audiences from our videos. And there's a drop down there, which has our Instagram page. So we can go and retarget people that have engaged with our Instagram, which shows that Facebook are trying to combine this Instagram and Facebook advertising thing more than they are they currently are. So I just see this as another step to that really, but it's going to be pretty good. You know, if you find a brand on, on Instagram and you want to see what ads that they're running, we can simply just do that and have a look at what they're running on Instagram. So, you know, I, I just see it as a, an extra filter and, you know, it's, it's nothing that exciting because we can see the Instagram ads that they're running already by checking out their page on the ads library. So mm -hmm. it's just going to give us an extra option and a, uh, maybe a slightly easier option for finding ads that uh, an Instagram page is running. So we have a question from our audience. Uh, Mohammed goes, is the ads library different from the Facebook page transparency? Same thing. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, you click on page transparency and then there's an option to go to the ads library. So pretty much the same thing. Gotcha. And we have another question from YouTube. Um, I think Mustafa was asking what other competitive research tools other than ad library do you use when you are checking out the competitor? Well, I guess besides Pixel Finder and ads library. 
Yeah, I mean, from a Facebook perspective, not a huge amount. What, what I try and do is look at their Facebook page, see what types of content they're creating, look at you know the Pixel Helper. Do they have the Pixel installed? And look at the ads library. And that gives me a really good understanding. And, and their Instagram, that gives me a really good understanding of, you know, are they creating content? Do they have ads running? Do they have the Pixel installed or not? And that's going to tell me pretty much everything I need to know from a from an advertising perspective. Mm. But you can, you know, you can go super geeky in things like SEM Rush and um, <laughs> right. dive into, you know, their YouTube content, their website, and all those types of things if you want to do, you know, even deeper research. But from a Facebook perspective, those things do the job. Awesome. This was an incredible resource for this next piece of news that uh, Grace found for us. But uh, Grace, break this down because this is there's a lot of stuff here, especially if you're starting out uh, in the midst of this, what we're going through right now. This is a really helpful document for the most part. Yeah, Facebook released a new 64-page guide full of tips, notes, and creative templates that you could use and notes how to maintain connections with audiences amid this global pandemic. So again, it includes a set of creative templates to help business communicate and gives really helpful, useful tips that are actionable. So the guide lays out more specific pointers on how to connect, including the types of content that are most likely to best serve your communities during this lockdown. Gabba, what type of contents are you finding are working well, especially for ads. Like, are videos doing better than static images? Are people responding more to uh, polls? Are there certain calls to action that are resonating? I mean, t- walk us through what's working and what's not. Yeah. So the the biggest thing that we're finding that's working right now is twofold, really. One is a push, and this is something I've always, always, always pushed: is a push on educational content first. Mm. You know, people are at home on social media, they're wanting to learn. So producing entertaining content, especially if you're a business that has to have closed down because, you know, let's say you're a, I don't know, a restaurant, for example, people physically cannot come in. So what can we do? Well, we can produce educational content on where we source our food, how we make our food, et cetera. So that's one thing. But something that I found that works really, really well is actually to do with our ad copy and simply mentioning or talking to the pain points around the situation that we're in has seen a big increase in the performance of our ads. Now, I don't mean mentioning COVID-19 or coronavirus, but if we simply can discuss the talking points around this, such as, you know, we're now doing teleconsultations rather than in-person consultations because we know you need to be home. We are, what accreditations are you following? Which Mm -hmm. guidelines are you following? And the reason this is working is because it shows as a business, we actually care. Right. You know, if we can change our ad copy and our messaging to be based on the problems and the things that people are thinking about right now, you can't go anywhere on the news and TV, social media, without seeing these headlines about coronavirus. It's all people can think about. So if we can address that in our advertising copy, we've seen that work really, really well. Like I say, don't mention coronavirus, but how is your business changing? What are you doing as a result of coronavirus? How can you show in your advertising copy that you actually care about the consumer? I think those are all great points. One of the questions I have is, so, um, you know, you talked a lot about, you know, educational, entertaining content and connecting with your potential clients and customers. So what are some ways that you've seen? And because the thing is, everything's up in the air right now. Uh, Everything's changed. How do you stay on top of changes in the industry and then like, you know, pivot maybe some of your messaging and advertising to, you know, actually connect with those people? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a massive fan of using tools such as Feedly, mm-hmm. which basically takes all the blogs, Facebook business uh, resources, etc., and, and puts it into one place. So I can go in there you know, every couple of days and see what's happening in the industry. And if I see something that I think might be a talking point or something that's worth noting, then some, sometimes I'll just go into you know, Twitter and type in a keyword right. around that. So, you know, campaign budget optimization, we heard that news. Go onto Twitter, type in CBO, see what other people in the industry are talking about. Is this actually going to be something that we need to we need to think about? Also lucky to have, you know, a Facebook rep that keeps us updated for these types of things, which means I can then tell all the people in the academy and, and our clients. So I think it's one, one point I want to make actually is it's not just for people like us who are in the marketing industry. Right to understand these things. If you are a business owner out with marketing, but you use Facebook ads, for example, to market your business, you need to know these things because any slight changes is going to have an impact on your business, especially if you're reliant on lead generation from these different platforms. So tools like Feedly, you know, Twitter lists, for example, right. of having people that work at Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, whichever platforms are relevant to you. So you can quickly go in and see, are there any changes? Are there any things I need to know about? Great points. So are you advising your clients? I mean, how are you advising your clients to stay on top of theirs uh, as far as social media is concerned? I mean, other than the show, which is a great way to stay up on top of all of the social media news, is there, you mentioned Feedly, you mentioned Twitter lists. Are you providing that to your clients? Because I guess what I'm asking is, should we be providing that service to our clients, you know, as kind of like a, a value add? Or are you, I mean, is it just something that they should do for themselves? Because I can see, a, you know, getting a lot of goodwill. If you could go to your clients, let's say they were a restaurant or whatever and going, Hey, here's some options. I'm just giving these out to you. I know it's a stressful time. Nobody has any money. And so here's some options. Do you recommend something like that? Yeah, I think, I think we have to. It's so hard out there for some business owners. And I mean, if we are running ads for clients or whatever it may be, we need to be the people that give them the information they need to hear. I I do think that they should do it themselves, Mm -hmm. but nine times out of 10, they're not going to do it themselves because they've got other things to worry about, like, you know, furloughing staff and all right. these different right. types of things. So, you know, one a good example of this is when Facebook announced the their grant scheme. So they're a hundred million mm-hmm. dollars for business owners. That's the type of information that when I relay that to clients, it's not just uh, good news for them. It really strengthens the bond between me and the client because right. They see me as a person that can help get them that grant, even though they could get it without me, but because I've told them that. And so it's it's vitally important from a client relationship perspective, but also just as a you know a goodwill thing that we need, that we should be doing. Good points. So some advice that we've been hearing a lot of and something that Facebook definitely highlights in this guide is that it's important for businesses to react to what's going on right now, of course. So your consumers are spending more time on social media. People are engaging with more videos. People are watching shows like this, including so much more. But you know, the idea is that you know, this isn't going to be forever. We hope not, right? At least. And so these behavior shifts may not extend past the current situation. So how are you advising your own clients or your, you know, within your own ads to plan long-term when there are just so many unknowns? I feel like, you know, even when talking with friends casually, you're just like, well, we could do this, we could do that. And, you know, but it's just like, but we don't know this and we don't know that. So how do you plan like strategically in this time period and in this current mood, I guess? Yeah. So what we've found is, is a lot of our clients and a lot of businesses are that have maybe been doing direct response advertising have had to stop. So mm-hmm. let's say it's a 
you know, uh, businesses that are, are doing local seminars in their area. They just can't do them anymore. So there's a couple of things that we need to look at, which is one, is there a way to change the offer in a way that still works? Because people are still buying, but buying behavior has changed. So for example, if we're doing local seminars, which we can no longer do, can we maybe turn that into a webinar offer? So that's one thing. Can we change the offer? But a second thing is if we can't do any of this direct response advertising, what I'm suggesting and, ad- and recommending you do is focus on brand building. Now, you might want to reduce your budget a little bit, but focus on producing that educational content, that entertaining content, and do it in a video format if you can. And the reason for this is because ad costs are down, which we talked about. More people are at home, less people are advertising. So if we're producing video content that teaches people about the subject that we that we work in, we can get people watching that video, consuming that content, and that allows us to build these retargeting audiences. So let's say that we are a chiropractor and we help people with back pain. Now, we can't see anybody right now because people can't come into the practice, or even if they can, people don't want to leave their homes. So what we can do is we can produce video content that shows people how we help them. We can then promote that out to people in our local area. It's costing us less than it normally would because ad costs are down. And by the time things get back to normal, we've got a large audience of people that already know who we are, hopefully trust us, like us, and we can retarget them with an offer to say, look, doors are open again, come back in. Now, this is a a tactic or a strategy that we want to use now, but this is also something that we can use long-term, produce relevant content, Mm -hmm. build that audience and retarget people over time. And that's always, always, always what we advise people to do. It just becomes more prominent in, in times like this. So you are the expert in building funnels. So I, I don't want you to give away all your secrets unless you really want to. Um, but is there a, uh, you mentioned a little bit about kind of changing our thinking, but are there ways that our ad funnels need to be adjusted, you know, completely giving this current situation? So not just, you know, our Facebook ads, but like the, the entire funnel. Have you seen things that are really, really working for you right now? Yeah. So, I mean, a couple of things that I've already touched upon that we're finding is, again, mentioning the I spoke about changing the ad copy to mention or talk around the problems around coronavirus and the pandemic that we're in. So include those into your landing page as well. You might even want to completely change the the video on your landing page if you have one to talk about. You know, a, a great example is is one of our clients is a he helps people with knee pain and he can't see people anymore. Mm-hmm. People don't want to come in. So what we've done is we've changed the offer from come in for a consultation to an at-home service where he'll go on Skype and he'll you know, show you how to do it. So that's completely changed our ads. It's completely changed our landing page, but it's, it's the exact same funnel. It's just, a, it's just packaged up slightly different. Mm. So we don't need to do any drastic changes to our funnel, but what we want to start looking at is if we can no longer operate or people just don't want to operate with the current offer that we have, how can we change the offer to make it something that's still interesting and relevant to people? So for example, can we do at-home services? Can we uh, simply just address the problems that people are facing right now? Like I say, changing a seminar into a webinar is a perfect example. So I have a question here from Mandy I want to bring up, um, kind of going back to your other comments. Um, she goes, the video content that you're referring to, uh, is that organically and then use the the retargeting audience for ads or using the educational videos for ads as well? So what we do is we post it on the page organically and then we use that video and promote that out using ads. Okay, great. Thank you. Thanks for that question, Mandy. 
It's a good question. So on the same day that Facebook released this uh, 64 page guide, they also released a smaller separate guide for adapting your ad measurement strategy in the face of the impact of shutdowns and, you know, the pandemic. And it includes four strategies, uh, namely understanding your advertising performance at this time and creating a decision tree that helps your business assess the effects of different measurement decisions. How are your clients readjusting their own expectations? I mean, and how are they adapting how they're looking at measuring campaigns? Do you, have you seen any noticeable changes or is one metric more important than another right now? Like, how are you assessing campaigns? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's slightly different industry to industry because in things like e-commerce and online education we're actually seeing clients do really well and so we're wanting to increase their spend because people are at home and they're buying stuff essentially on the flip side to that what we're seeing we work a lot with kind of local businesses and health practices what we're seeing is that although in some circumstances the business is still open for example one of some of our health practice clients people aren't wanting to come in. People don't want to leave their home. And so we're seeing a real increase in the cost per lead. And so what we're having to do uh, with, with the clients really is, 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 set, is completely reset their expectations because we're in a situation where nobody expected this. Nobody could have predicted this, yet they are seeing business results that they're not happy with because the cost per lead is increasing. At the same time, they need money more than ever. And so it's quite a tricky place to be. But we're, we're, you know, we're finding that if we can just sit them down and speak to them and say, look, this is the situation that we're in. These are the recommendations that I give you. This is the funnel, the ads that I think we need to change, um, what I spoke about. And let's focus on building this audience right now building our brand. So when this is all over, then you're the only person in your market that people are going to listen to. Because whilst all your competitors stopped advertising altogether, you were the one that was producing content and spending a little budget getting it out into the mm-hmm. feeds of people in your in your area. So we are seeing that cost per lead is going up for, for local businesses. Cost per purchase and things are coming down for, for certain industries. So it's just one of those situations that's kind of all over the place right, right. now. And um, it's just crazy. So I want to go over real quick some of the the tips they put in there. And the first one from Facebook is it says simplify your strategy, which, okay, that's okay. (laughs) Have you noticed, uh, you know, if you're, if you're looking to simplify, what are some of the first things you'll tell your client to cut? Well, one thing I would say is most people do overcomplicate their ad campaigns and they'll think that they need to build all of these, you know, really complex and uh, specific retargeting ads and things. And the reality is, the only things that you really need to focus on is, who's my customer? Is this offer actually valuable to them? And then how can we get an ad in their mm-hmm. feed that catches their attention to make to get them to take that action? So when it comes to simplification of a campaign, I'd love to know what Facebook's definition right. of that is. But for me, it says more than ever, we need to go back to just the very basics and say, you know, the offers that we've been running, the ads that we've been running performed well in the past, but people are in a very, very different mindset right now. And some of the offers that we made in the past, although they did well, people quite frankly couldn't care less anymore. So what do people care about and what can we offer? And 
some perfect examples of businesses in, like in my local area have gone from um, a coffee shop can no longer open. So what they've done is they've created a coffee subscription service, which is amazing because people don't want to go to the supermarket. Right. Rather than trying to push advertising that you're doing before, is simply just stop and say, what can we actually do and create? What offer can we put in front of the people that in our market that they're going to be interested in right now? Awesome. And I noticed there's a couple other tips I want to go over. One was, I hopefully everybody knows this, but uh, respond to comments in your post. That was one tip that, okay, well, hopefully you can note that right now. Mind and board. don't, and don't repost uh, duplicate content except for who. And I guess they don't mean the band. They mean the world health organization and go live regularly. Now, I don't know about you, Gavin, but I think everybody is taking that advice right now because my feed is full of live video. Are you, are you seeing your clients do a lot more live video as well? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm guilty of it myself as right. well. <laughs> I am. Yeah, it's, it's the way we can, connect, we can connect right now. That's one of the things that is yeah. so great about live video. So Gavin, of course, you've, always, you've given us so much great information. We love having you on the show. So tell us where, if people really want to dive into all things, Mr. Gavin Bell, where they can find you. Well, just head over to mrgavinbell.com uh, and you'll find everything that you ever need to know there, whether it's the academy clients or um, we've just launched a new learning center on the website, which I'm very excited about. So whether it's videos, podcasts or blogs that you want to dive into, then you can find it all there. And also I want to make sure people know about your podcast, which is the Funnel Academy uh, show. And you can find that where all the podcasts are, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and everywhere. So make sure to go check out his podcast as well. Gavin, thank you so much for being here and we'll see you next time. Thank, thank you so you, much Gavin. for having me. It's been fun. Yep. Bye Gavin. Bye thank you. Yeah. Awesome. That was fun. It was fun and educational. I was just like... I know I did all the research on the show, but I'm learning so much now. <laughs> right. So uh, we want to also give you a, an opportunity to join in this great resource. So if do you want to be a top player in the industry, but you kind of feel stuck, are you not sure really what to do next? Well, what you need is a plan and there is a proven path to success. And our CEO and founder, Mike Stelzner, will be showing aspirational entrepreneurs the way in his new online course, Becoming Well-Known. You can find out all about that at socialmediaexaminer.com forward slash known. That's socialmediaexaminer.com forward slash known. And you need to check it out soon because registration closes May 1st. So go ahead and check that out. Awesome. Jeff, we have other Facebook news, More other news. Facebook ad news. Yes. yes. So this week, Facebook and Instagram also announced that it will now show the locations. I'm going to read this because it's, it's very, it was, it's very confusing to untangle. So mm -hmm. Facebook and Instagram will now display the location of the Facebook page or the Instagram account and the country where a majority of the account's followers are based on every post that they share. Now, this is not going to apply to every page and not every account. It is only going to go to places that have large audiences, primarily located in the United States. Mm -hmm. Now, Facebook didn't specify what it meant for large audiences and didn't also, right. it also didn't provide any context for, you know, how we are to gauge this. But the intent is for users, regular users like mm -hmm. you and I, right. to be able to gauge the reliability and authenticity of the content that we see in their feeds. So in other words, if I want to know where all the uh, hostess snack cakes went, Jeff. That's right, which are very important right now during this time. I can time. find out that there is a... Uh, Maybe a little bit of a conspiracy theory right. started by one of their competitors, maybe. Right. I don't know. We're, yeah. we're just riffing. Like, I think the main point of this is for political ads. I mean, yes, honestly, exactly. but I mean, it is ad targeting. So if you see that on your pages and your profiles, yeah. you now know why. Did they say when they're going to roll that out? Is it just rolling out slowly or is it already here? 
So it's rolling out this month and next on Facebook pages, and then it is currently rolling out on Instagram. So I think it's just probably going to go out slowly. But again, it does not apply to every single page. It only right. applies to these ones with large audiences. And I think they're mostly looking at um, advertisers or people that are posting from another country right. to an audience mostly here to in the To make sure States. that we don't have any interference from a foreign organization. Maybe. Well, I don't know. So if like, so if you're working with a VA or something overseas and they're doing a lot of your social media, Facebook posting, which I know a lot of companies do provide that service and it's great. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I guess I'd be worried about that being tagged, but again, I think that it's really specific types of content. Yeah. And we don't know how large it is when it hits that threshold either. So we have to find out more about that later. Uh, Another new uh, piece of news is Facebook's testing options to keep stories active for up to three days. What? Why would you want that? Because this is stories 24 hours. Well, we have, it sounds that uh, Facebook is testing a new option that would enable users to keep their Facebook stories active to up to three days as opposed to the current 24 hours. Now, this was found in the wild by tech researcher Jane Manchun Wong. So um, there's actually a screenshot that I'm sure Grace will put on the the article that we're going to be sharing out on Saturday. But it's really interesting that you will have an option for going to 24 or to this three days option. And uh, there's a little bit of controversy because the whole thing for stories was the 24 hour, it's going to go away. And people were like, well, if this is real, then it's going to clutter up my feed even more with stories. And so uh, it's really interesting. So, but this is just found in the wild. Um, and they so, showing also that Instagram stories can be archived as highlights too. So this will be something we'll keep an eye on and keep you posted with. Here's, there's another news item. Uh, Facebook is rolling out a new quiet mode. Quiet mode. Yeah. It's giving users better control over time on their app. So as you were mentioning earlier, Jeff, I mean, I wake up every day with 15 people going live on my I know. Facebook. And, you know, the notifications are getting crazy. People are responding. I think people are on there more. And so it's just giving users the ability to check their preferences and limit their notifications, whether it's to help you focus on things like your family and or your job or your family or mm-hmm. sleep. Right. What's that? Sleep without distractions or manage how you, the time you spend. So this is all part of their wellness time yeah, well it's, spent. It's campaign. called you time. And I, I didn't know that it launched all the way back in 2018, but yeah, it's been here for a while, but they're really pushing this with this uh, COVID-19 stuff that's going out. So I'll be using this. I'll tell you that much. This is pretty handy dandy thing that I'll try. So another piece of news um, from Facebook as well, they're rolling out new care emojis. Now I haven't seen these yet, but Facebook is adding new care emojis to Messenger and its flagship app as a way to people to shelter, to share their support with one another during this unprecedented time, because nothing says I love you like an emoji. Um, so these new reaction emojis are expecting to begin rolling out this week globally. Um, there's two of them. One's like a creepy beating heart. And another one is the emoji like hugging a heart, I think as well. So uh, those should be rolling out to um, everybody. They're these care field emojis. They're trying to make these some more practical tools to help uh, users navigate the crisis. So that'll be fun to see. Um, and there's, they're supposed to also in the next few weeks, uh, altering, alerting users who um, engage in like spreading false information about the virus. So I'm not sure how that's going to work out if it's at all AI based, but that's also in the news as well. Yeah. Wonderful wrap up. I don't know that I need a sixth emotion. I know. Yeah. I have one right now and it's hungry. 
That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, before we wrap up the show and allow Jeff to go have his lunch, I wanted to let you know or remind you that our show is brought to you today by that new course by our founder and CEO, Michael Stelzner. It is becoming well-known. So it's one thing. It's one thing to create leads and sales and to do your job, but something it takes something completely different to become a trusted authority. And sometimes, you know, it's a struggle to get your big idea out there. It's a struggle to know what path to take. It's a struggle to know what to do next or where to focus your attention, especially when everything is coming at you at once. And Michael Stelzner has created a proven plan, a proven path to help you lay the groundwork in his new course. So again, that's called Becoming Well-Known. He's coached dozens, dozens of well-known experts in their paths to becoming successful and well-known entrepreneurs. And he can help you too. Again, you can find that at Social Media Examiner dot com slash known. And don't forget, you can always find out more details, links, and notes on everything discussed in today's show at our Social Media Examining talk show recap. It publishes on Saturdays at Social Media Examiner. You can find out more at socialmediaexaminer.com news. It's a great thing because Grace does an awesome job putting all the links together. It's all there in the show notes at socialmediaexaminer.com forward slash news. And also we want to make sure that you put this on your calendar because you can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify that they publish every Saturday. But if you really want to join in on this great live experience, make sure you put this on your calendar and you can find out and do that at socialmediaexaminer.com forward slash live show. And great show today, Grace. Thank you for always for putting all this stuff together in such an awesome way. Thank you, Jeff, for being a fantastic host. And thank you to Gavin Bell for joining us today. We we learned a lot. We learned a lot from him. And um, if, again, if you want to follow all of the things that he has to provide, you can find that at mrgavinbell.com. So thank you again for joining us. And I hope you guys have a great week. Bye now. Bye. The Social Media Marketing Talk Show is a Social Media Examiner production. For more social media insight, visit socialmediaexaminer.com. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.